space, the final frontier. Never before have such iconic words been spoken in science fiction. That's Scott. Yeah. Except for a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Star Trek all day, dude. Star Wars. Star Trek. Yeah, starting a sci-fi campaign this week on the Dungeon Master's Dojo. Greetings and salutations, DMs, GMs, referees, judges, game operation directors, and all other variety of storyteller. I am Lou, and today I'm accompanied by the yin and yang of dice rollers, one of which has yet to confirm a hit on anything, the other with the twin D20s that spread fear across the land. They are, of course, Scott and Bill. Scott, Bill, how you guys doing this evening? Pretty my, good, I guess. My dice are hot, as always. And mine are not, as always. <laughs> That's the way we like it when you run the games. It's kind of like that Paula Abdul song, you know, where she was dancing with a cartoon cat. <laughs> well, there's a, where the hell did you get that? <laughs> so, Star Wars or Star Trek? The most diversive question in sci-fi. Can't we all just get along? As long as we agree that Star Trek is the better science fiction, yeah, I don't see why not. Well, it, it, you know, it's good to be second right behind Star Wars. So... Star Trek is intelligent science fiction. Hey, just because you can't follow the plots. If you want to gamble about with your Scott. flashlight knives and... Are you there? Let's just start the episode. Let's just start So, why run a sci-fi game? Yeah, why not? Um, you know, this is the Dungeon Master's dojo, right? There's no... Dungeons or Masters in sci-fi. No, but there's still storytelling. There is. And sometimes it's nice to take a break. You know, uh, if you're feeling the burnout from um, running a fantasy campaign or a Western or whatever whatever RPG you're, you're doing, uh, switching genres can be really refreshing. It's tough to be suffering from a case of orchitis. It is. It is. And there's no amount of creams or shots that'll yeah, make it better. Yeah, there's no topical. None at all. We've been. We've all been there. Um, and we actually done a few um, Star Wars. See, Star Trek wasn't in there. We've ran Star Wars. Yeah, it, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes it's nice to read the back of a peach can label. Um. <laughs> you could tell. He <laughs> could tell who the diehard is. <laughs> but stepping outside of your genre of choice can kind of keep things fresh. You know, it it, um, it allows your players too to. To do something a little a little different, oh, it stretches uh, our feet uh, and our imagination. Yeah, yeah, and that could be good when you get back to that that game your you know your no, your group is known for. You know, our group is is predominantly a D and D group, but we you know we we hit the uh, buffet line of RPGs every now oh, and again. Absolutely, um, I know a lot of times when we'll we'll jump out into the the, the sci fi world. I've, our group has a tendency to get really campy. Yeah, and and you know, so it's it's kind of you know, it's a release. It's you know, everyone you, you laugh a lot. There is a lot of um, borrowing from existing uh, dialogue out there. <laughs> Wouldn't you say so, Scott? <laughs> it's a 
horrible levitation. This is yeah. This is it's uh, horrible. This is going to go on for a while now. <laughs> yes, it is. This may bleed over into other episodes. <laughs> All right, Scott, get us started. Let, uh, let's right. um, let's go into a couple subgenres. Science fiction is very very broad. It so is. So let's is. let's let's cut it down to a a few. I mean, there's a lot of subgenres, but. All right, I'll get it started, and then um, yeah. and then you can toss a couple in uh, after. How's that sound? Sure, go for it. All right, let's talk about uh, cyberpunk. So, cyberpunk is a subgenre of science fiction. Um, it's noted for its its focus on uh, high tech, and uh, uh, it takes its name from a combination of cybernetics and and punk. So, you have this um, Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, comes to mind. Oh yeah, yeah think, real you know, quick. Cy- yeah. Cyberpunk, oh, yeah. definitely. Um, one of my favorite movies too. By the way, loved it. Uh, Dolph Lundgren is the preacher, <laughs> and uh, anything with Henry Rollins is it is is a home run. Um, so it features a lot of advanced technology, computers, um, information systems, implants, that sort of thing, um, with usually some sort of dystopian elements you know there's a breakdown in the social order of things um a lot of the classic kind of cyberpunk characters are are usually there they're outside of the mainstream kind of loners or or part of marginalized groups castaways castaways yeah um they're uh uh you know the daily life there is in in this dystopian future is kind of impacted by all this technological change that's happening at like breakneck speed. Um, it's uh, uh, you also see a lot of parallels between that and you know ancient cultures where the there's the have and the have nots. The yeah. you know there's the the one percent that sits up top, way up top, and everybody else and then usually your player characters are below that yeah it's a it's a very very big gap a huge divide Mm -hmm. there's there's nothing in the middle um and that's our that's cyberpunk and 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 cyberpunk is is i don't know it's kind of nice to step into uh into a cyberpunk kind of kind of environment for a couple play sessions um to get a little dark you know Oh yeah, well you can't help but get dark in that. Yeah, that's, in cyberpunk. Yep, you certainly can't. Uh, another one of my favorites is the post-apocalyptic uh, sci-fi setting. One of my faves. Yeah, mine too. Uh, Thundar the Barbarian was probably my uh, favorite kind of post-apocalyptic uh, setting for for anything. Um, but Damnation Alley was pretty pretty cool as well. Logan's Run was up Logan, in there. Logan's, Logan's Run, Run yeah. was yeah, yeah, that was fantastic. Um, even more recently, I think uh, Player One Ready. Yes, ready, yeah, Ready Player One. Uh, I love that movie. Yeah. I I can watch it over and over and over again. Um, apocalyptic science fiction is a, a subgenre. Again, um, it's concerned with kind of like the end of civilization, right? This is what we're focusing on the end of, end of the world as we know it, so to speak, and the end in rebuilding. Ish, yeah. Usually the early, 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 early stages. stages. Um, so you have like nuclear war, plague, or some other uh, general disaster. Maybe a uh, rogue comet passes between the Earth and the Moon. Yep. Um, wreaking 
cosmic destruction. Uh, Yellowstone finally blew up. Finally, after all this. Well, actually, you shouldn't be talking about this. We're still like halfway through 2020. We got six <laughs> months to go. That's yeah. a lot that can happen. <laughs> yeah, once we're past the alien invasion, the giant murder hornets, who knows? Yellowstone yeah. could be going. Um, or the invasion of Bigfoots or Feets. I don't know. Whatever Sasquatches. It is. Sasquatches. Um, so civilization is is trying to rebuild after whatever this disaster happens happens to be. You'll, you'll get stuff like immediately after the disaster. Maybe there's a um, a couple centuries have passed or whatever. So you're getting some civilization that's that's out there. It might be something more immediate, like maybe the Mad Max uh, post apocalyptic timeline. No, Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes, another great one. Not not the one with Marky Mark. <laughs> but uh charlton heston oh, yep. yeah. yeah those are originals the great the great ones even the bad ones were pretty good um so a lot of these will focus on maybe you know the the, the psychology of living in a post-apocalyptic world but some of the, you know the games themselves uh of course a lot of combat a lot of uh kind of survival elements they do have there a lot they well. are usually combat heavy yeah, because everything's trying to eat you or take take things from you, whether yeah. it's your food, your water, body parts. Yeah, there's there's that ever present uh, struggle mm-hmm. um, w- w- with these. Um, science is a little blurry um, in, in a post apocalyptic setting. Usually, and the only things that work are the weapons. The we- yeah, the, <laughs> the, the the weapons, uh, urine stills, that sort of thing. Um, everybody's eating dog food. Uh, you'll still get your dystopic societies that are kind of a uh, a balance against the utopias that usually pop up um, mm-hmm. every now and again in um, these sort of settings. Um, and then uh, science fantasy. Again, I like Star Wars. Not as good as Star Trek. That's hard science, but... Uh, Star Wars kind of falls in the science fantasy. You know, you could take the lightsabers and the blasters out and put swords and shields in everybody's hands, and you have a you have a fantasy. Oh, oh yeah, uh, element there. Um, so this is a fusion between the um, the two kind of main genres. You know, the cousins, science fiction and 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 fantasy. Um, it's their uh, it's their kind of uh, their love child. Well, it's the easiest crossover too. If you're coming out, yeah. of a, if you're coming out of a, a fantasy world, you know whichever one you're in, uh, it's the easiest to to step into where people can still pick up their swords and everything like that. But there's considerably more technology usually blended in there. As well. well, yeah, and um, when we did that on our, one of our long week vacations, we went to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Star Wars, and um, I think everybody took to it because you had your swords. You guys had force power, which is like your magic. Yep, right. Um, so it does cross over very easily, and it was okay. Okay, your your level of tolerance is 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 commendable. It was like an overcooked steak, you know. I was like, ah, it's still a steak, I guess. You know, it's still a game, but you know, it's it's. Did you have a good time? I had a good time, but I didn't have a great time. Did you have a great time playing Star Trek? No. Always, you didn't because we didn't play it. I have a set of rules. We'll have to play it. Well, I guess we'll give it a shot. Just, just to satisfy. Oh no, I guess he's running yet another game. <laughs> later later much later um so uh 
this science fantasy, uh, it, it, it will generally have like a uh, fantasy element to it, uh, fantastical kind of like plots or subplots, um, rescuing the princess. Um, and it'll have uh, uh, characters that are easily recognizable in a fantasy setting. You know, the humble farm boy that becomes a knight. Yep. Um, you know, the weasened old uh, master swordsman that teaches the farm boy the art of sword play, that sort of thing. Um, like uh, some of the books I could think like Anne McCaffrey's Pern novels, I think, would yes. would, would uh, be science fantasy. Oh, very much so. Um, I have the entire series. I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was. I thought it was really good. I thought it was very, uh, very different from what was coming out at the time. It's, and it started off with science. It went back to fantasy, and at the end of the mm-hmm. series, went it, the science came back into it again. Uh, and it, it, I found it very enjoyable. Yeah, and um, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of cloudiness usually between. Uh, technology, science, and, and and what's going on. You know, Lou, Lou mentioned the Force. You know, which uh, um, really there was no concrete explanation for the Force other than you're not going. You, you're going to use the M word? No, no, I will not. <laughs> I'm still upset about the M word until until those wretched prequels. And I know I'll probably catch hell from people for saying that, <laughs> but um, I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, until the M word, uh, some 20, 30 years later, they decided to ruin it by explaining it. Um, so that's it. That's your science fantasy. Bill, what do you have? Um, what do I have? Let's take a gander. Shall we? Uh, time travel. Oh yeah. Time travel. Yeah. Big one. Um, I was, like I said, I was an avid reader early on. So for me, like H.G. Wells was huge. I loved H.G. Wells. Uh, a lot of what he put out. Along with him, there was was a, a couple others out there that were putting out some really, really good stuff. Um, but that started the whole, all right, let's go back and influence the past. Let's go back and influence the future. Let's, you know, d- d- and then the dichotomy of did we actually change the future or did us going back was the reason the future happened in the first place. So, you know, time travel is very, very interesting. And there's a, there's a couple you know, systems out there. Um, Space nine, uh, 1889 was out there. That worked out very, very well. Um, Etherscape was out there, Atomic Highway. These are all games that were fairly, you know, they, they were, they were well, they, they're part of my segue too because they're part time travel and they're also part um, steampunk, which would be my next, you know, my next pick. The, the whole steampunk infusion was is really cool you can't go to a ren fair without seeing a ton of steampunk it's everywhere so you know the whole victorian age with you know technology all powered by steam or or magic or something like that Uh, the whole steampunk thing is 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 huge and the the systems that came out for that are really really good the the biggest one being uh um is a you know very, very fantastical. It has a, a big fantasy flavor to it, but it's all wrapped around airships and steam-powered mechanic, mechanics and 
So that's a, a, a really fun game to play if you want to do a little bit of steampunk. Yeah, you do see a lot of more steampunk these days. I know, like, my kids are both into playing Fable. They're, mm-hmm. uh, the whole Fable series is all steampunky. Yep. And it's it's just very interesting to see how everything, you know, works because of, of their technology is what they call it, you know, running off of steam. If they don't have that power, nothing works. Oh, they, they even played it a little bit with anime with a Howl's Moving Castle. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the energy source was a, a fire elemental, but it ran off of steam. Right. Um, and magic. But, mm-hmm. you know, nonetheless, the two blend together. And let's face it, any technology you don't understand is most often interpreted as magic. So, you, I mean, you again, you got H.G. Wells, Jules Verne's, uh, Edward Ellis. I mean, the, the, there's a, a number of really, really good um, resource material that you can read to, to help build up something for you. For, for a steampunk. What, what do you think about the Nautilus build? You, where do you think that lies? Do you think that lies more in science or steampunkiness? You know, when you think about the, kind the, of the, the, the Nautilus is, wow, that actually, yeah, I think it's more steampunk. I would have to agree with that. Yeah, it's more it, steampunk. It's steampunk. Everything's run off of water and heat, steam. Yep. You know, there's no nuclear power, no nothing. Actually, it was nuclear power. Well, well, well yeah. but I mean, they didn't come around and say it's nuclear power. Right. But um, they they eluded to elements that help make steam and blah blah blah. So and I think that depends on which version of the movie you watch. This too. is true. This is true. Well, yeah, there's I, there's got to be sixteen versions out there now. Um, <laughs> by now, uh, twenty thousand leagues under the sea yep. being the best. But hands down. Yep. But still, um, yeah, that would be very much steampunk. I would agree. Um, and I think the other one is uh, extraterrestrial life. You know, whether you're going to it or it's coming to you as far as science fiction Like in concerned. Star Trek. Star Trek. Or Star Wars if you haven't been to that planet. <laughs> See, I knew this would start it right back up again. <laughs> um, th- there's a system out there uh, called Necessary Evil uh, where the aliens show up and they kill all the heroes. And the only people left to save the world are all the villains. So you you know it's a, it's a really cool system. Um, you get to play the villain and the good guy at the same time. So you don't see that so, every day. So so you, the, the morals thing a lot of times, and you're dealing with aliens and not necessarily humans. So that whole uh, moral thing usually goes out the window, um, and everyone it, it it turns into very hack and slash very easily. Uh, one of my faves, and once again dating myself, Robotech. I was I was give, thinking give about Robotech that one and the invert invasion invert invasion any yep. day. Um, yeah. yeah. Now let's face it. The Palladian system was not smooth. No, but, by far. But we uh, we incorporated a lot of house rules, smoothed the system out uh, for us, and uh, you played with me. Yeah, I did. Um, that was and, an awesome game, and we had some very very fantastic times with that. So I mean, you got a, a variety of things you can go with those, but because I mean, you're dealing with android cyborgs, hive minds, symbiotes, shapeshifters, uh, just plain old chunks of aliens. You know, it's all over the place. You know, imagine, I mean, we got the 4th of July coming up, um, and they're playing the 4th of July movie all the time. Yes. It's, I swear, it's on, like, every channel, or it's on at least one channel 24-7. It's an alien invasion. Uh, you could very easily turn your game into something like that, where, you, you know, you you are the, the gorilla outfit trying to hold them back. And uh, so extraterrestrials are always a great way to go. Like V. Like V. Remember that? That yep. was very oh, yeah. much. Yep. yep. Mark Singer. That was a really good, uh, a really good TV series. I, I enjoyed that. So I mean, there, there's my three, off the top of my head. So you m- mentioned some rules, rule sets uh, for for some of those. Um, 
cyberpunk comes to mind for, of course, the cyberpunk setting long before there was the uh, cyberpunk um, video game. Oh, long before. Uh, there was the cyberpunk tabletop RPG game. Um, today it's it's updated. It's uh, cyberpunk red, but it's still out there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the uh, great grandfather of the video game, um, but still holds up pretty well. Um, you know, I, I don't think you can talk post-apocalyptic anything as far as uh, role-playing games go without without mentioning uh, Gamma World or Metamorphosis Alpha. Yeah, uh, it's, I, I, it's would, I mean, I, I remember when Gamma World first came out, I had a blast with that. 1978, yeah. I had a blast with that game. Very first character was an albino demolitions expert spider. I have only briefly touched that game, and I think it was with you once, maybe. But yeah. um, I just vaguely remember that game, to be honest. I had fun with that for a good three, four years. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was a lot of fun, and with every um, incarnation of it, it it got a little smoother. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't. I haven't played anything beyond I think the uh, second edition of it. You know, the artwork greatly improved, but um, it was uh, it was great. It was it was a lot of fun. It was it didn't take uh, the post apocalyptic genre too seriously, no. which made it a lot of fun. It was it was a little a little silly, but I think the silliness worked for it. Yeah, it's a little tongue in cheek. Yeah. Um, a system that I really liked, um, I p- started uh, playing it when it first came out, was uh, Travelers. Travel 2000, now it's Traveler 2020 or something like that. Yeah. They've had a couple incarnations. Um, what really, I mean, that was more towards uh, your space fantasy and cyberpunk-ish. Um, we used that that particular game quite a bit. One of the things I liked, that I believe that was a game that originally had a life path when you first started, you made your character, yep. and your character could actually be killed during creation. Well, that's frustrating. Oh, it's great. You get right to the end, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, um, yeah, there was an accident, and uh, just before I got all my special abilities and everything, I got blowed up. That that sucks. I got to start over. That would suck. Yeah, and there but were it, a bunch of little books for that. When I first yeah. was introduced to the system, there were a ton of these little books. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were cool. I think that was one of the biggest draws for me was uh, it was a, it was in a different kind of format, and the character creation was fun. Of course, getting to the end of character creation and dying, I mean, that really sucks, but um, it was almost like a game within a game, you know, the oh, whole very character much. creation you, you, thing. Yeah, you, your session zero, uh, creating your character, it took a whole night because, you know, everyone had to go through all these different steps, and but it, it was fun, you know, and just, they said, it was a session all by itself just make, getting your character up and running. Uh, but that that was fun. I enjoyed that system, and it was relatively easy. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't uh, too cumbersome at at all, uh, and it was um, know, it was almost like a space opera too. Yeah, yeah. It could have been. Well, I mean, it's very. I mean, it depends on what you dropped into because they had yeah. you know they had you had your uh, um, addendums for aliens and cyborgs, and I mean, it's a, it fell into this this space fantasy. Yeah, very easily. Every so. little book you got, mm-hmm. you know, it opened up uh, other other opportunities for for gameplay. What about Shadowrun? You know, when I think science fantasy, Shadowrun's like the first thing that pops up 
into my head, and it's got kind of like that steampunky or, or cyberpunk rather say, element yeah, to I it. I thought it was a little bit more on the cyberpunk side myself. Yeah. No, it, I enjoyed it. Uh, we started playing that game for a while back in uh, mid '80s, and we we had a good run with it for about four or five years uh, on a single campaign, and it went really really well. We enjoyed it. Uh, then we found uh, Bureau Thirteen. I'm familiar with the name, but not the game. I've never Same played it. The premise was Abraham Lincoln started a like a shadow group with the Pinkertons, and they were looking out um, paranormal activity. That think, sounds think, like great fun. Think that, think of the X Files starting in like you know the 1800s. Sounds like a movie. Um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Uh, kinda. That may have could have been an inspiration for it, but it, it was the Bureau 13 was another dark where you were you're basically. Uh, you know, the shock troops, the wet works going out there and, and trying to figure out what was going on. And then you could draw in pretty much anything you wanted off of that. If there was a problem, I uh, believe their motto was uh, protect the U.S. from everything. That's a good or something model along, Or something along those lines. Yep. But it was, that was a fun one. And that We spun from one and we just got a little bit darker and, and spun into Bureau 13, which again was a space fantasy because we were throwing all kinds of werewolves and vampires and ghosts and we were playing with aliens for a little bit so i mean again we we threw a little bit of everything into there so it sounds a little like that marvel superheroes game that we we play on occasion when we need a break you know the yeah. donnelly files yes that it was i very, say is one hell of a game thank you and that's another engine that that you could use the the marvel system in anything we, that, we do yeah it's adaptable to yeah, anything it's adaptable to everything and, and so easy it is. So uh, easy to and pick. It's, 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 pick your year. It's usually one of our go-tos when we're going to start something new and we can't figure out what engine we're going to use. We jump mm-hmm. to the Marvel. You guys should check it out. Um, it's it's well, the, the source books are really expensive on Amazon, but there's a – was it Marvel Superheroes Forever, I think, is the website that's out I believe there. I that's it. Yeah, I think that's yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's got a lot of resources available. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's worth it's worth checking out. And I'm surprised, actually, that they haven't done anything along the lines of that system because it was it was pretty easy. It is, you know, you, when you got a chart sitting right in front of you, and it's just percentiles. Yeah, everything's percentiles. Makes it real easy. One, yeah, one set of dice, mm-hmm. and that handy chart, and you're good to go. Yep. And after a while, you get you can start rolling. And go, all right, you know exactly where you fell on the chart: red, green, yellow. Yep. And. Uh, yeah, that that was a, a you know that whole system is a very good system. Like you said, it's adaptable to anything. Yeah, we, we've used it for superheroes. We used it for fantasy. We've used it for sci-fi. Sci-fi. We used it steampunk, for steampunk, yeah. and and science fantasy. Yep. We even used it for a western at one point. That's right. Yep. You can go. Yeah, and I think what makes it great is you can go really low power stuff like we do when we do the Donnelly files. You yep. could go like really high power stuff. Right. Well, or some of our superhero stuff. Yeah. And and its its versatility is fantastic. Oh, extremely scalable. Yep. System wise, I think that's probably that's probably my my favorite system. So. Now let's take a break. Hey there. It's DM Scott. That's right. I'm talking to you. Yeah, you, the chubby guy wearing the This Is How I Roll t-shirt. Why don't you ditch that ratty old t-shirt that's two sizes too small for you? Where'd you get that? Baby Gap? 
head on over to our Merch and More store on our epic new website. Grab yourself some Dungeon Masters Dojo logo wear. You won't regret it. Rock that t-shirt like the nerd boss you are. It's sleek and it's black, and everyone knows that black is slimming. Hell, I look like a slender 3XL when I'm wearing this black shirt. Not only will you look deceptively less chunky, but with that bold red and white logo, you'll look like a superhero. And who doesn't want to look like a superhero? So head on over to the DungeonMastersDojo.com merch and more to fill your bag with our swag. See you next time in the dojo. And we're back. Hope you guys missed us. So where do we leave off, Scott? Well, we're uh, we 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 talked for a while about some game systems that uh, you folks should uh, give a try to if uh, you were interested in any of those genres that we we threw out there. So, what about some of the common issues we may run into running those? Oh yeah, if if you're a a a fantasy uh, DM and you make that transition from one of those neatly boxed. Uh, sets, or maybe you've been playing since the beginning, like like we have. It can be hard, you know. One of the biggest problems I, I I think you could run into is it it's easy to kind of fall out of of your subgenre. You know, you could uh, you could you could find yourself moving from uh, post apocalyptic to kind of a cyberpunk. Or alien invasion type of thing, and it may not work. You know, sometimes it yeah, will. They'll, what they'll do is they'll throw different things out there, and it's like, oh, we're we're doing a post apocalyptic, but we're going to throw some aliens in there. You know, uh, too many ingredients in the soup, mm-hmm. um, and you end up with slop, bad taste. Stick, yep. just stick to your stick with what you have. I mean, try to stay close to your genre. There's more than enough resource material out there that you can draw from uh, to make sure you stay on track. Use that and and try not to throw too many things in there at once. I so mean, pretty if, much you're saying, you know, just keep it small, well, keep it light. If you're established for a while and things are going well and you want to throw a little flavor in, you know, you sprinkle a little here and there in, uh, but don't don't try to jump from one to another to another. It's going to muddy the water, confuse your players, and it's going to be very, very difficult for you to keep track of what you're, you're putting out there. And to bring it back, too. And, you know, oh, you absolutely. get your, your players used to... Um, science fantasy when you started off with um, you know a steampunk kind of kind of theme or or subgenre in your sci-fi game, then they may get stuck in there. So you, it's going to be hard for you to, to to bring it back. And like Bill said, the the waters get muddy. You know they're going to lose their way. They're not going to they're not really going to know what what style or, or subgenre they're playing in anymore. They'll get lost. Well, ultimately, there's supposed to be a goal. I mean, you write your scenario. There's a, there should be a goal yeah. you're heading towards, and and it's really tough when you jump on the the red train and you should be on the green train. Uh, now you're lost. You don't know how to get back. Uh, you know, just don't. They said don't muddy the water with with a whole lot of different things all at once. Stick to your one subgenre and go with it. There's more than enough material out there for, yeah. for you to throw out there to, to not have to. You know, all right, let's let's throw aliens and oh by the way, you're finding you know, you ran into a factory where they're manufacturing parts for people and and if it that's what your is in your subgenre, great, but if it's not, leave it alone. Yeah. Uh, and and Lou brought up a 
uh, a point that I thought was really good. And it was um, staying small. You know, stay small when you first start your your sci-fi game because running a world is is tricky. It can be hard. Um, and and you do that when you're you're uh, you're a DM and you're running, you know, Dungeons and Dragons or for you Pathfinder folks out there, the it's the same thing. But when you start sci-fi, if you're doing a space opera or or if you're, you know, you're in the uh, Star Trek universe or Star Wars, you're dealing not just with a planet, you're dealing with like an entire galaxy of planets. Yeah, solar system, a universe, you're yeah. all over the place. Oh, yeah. Multiple cultural societies too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Stay small. Stay on a planet on your space station for a while until you get comfortable with it. Because you don't want when you're dealing with a lot of alien races, you don't want them all to seem like carbon copies of of the last one you encountered. Oh, that's what's going to happen because you're going to run out of ideas yeah. really fast. Really, really fast. You you don't want to you don't want to overdo it. Yeah, so you got to do a lot of homework. You have to do a lot of homework. You you homework you have and to. notes, yeah. Yep. You know, if you have to if you if you're going to bring up a bunch of races and create some races or even use the ones that exist, get out a piece of paper and jot down all the information you can on that one race and leave it on one piece of paper so you have a reference. Yep. Yeah. Take take notes. Take notes. Do your homework, study because there's going to be that one guy at the table, the wild card. The wild card that's going to know all sorts of sciency stuff. Let's steal a shuttlecraft and yeah. take off and 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 hit or stow away on this uh, you know this battle cruiser and and off they go to somewhere else. You're way off track now. Yep, gotta and, rein them in. Yep, rein those wild cards in, Lewis. Rein them in. I think the wild card is needed sometimes, though. Yes, <clears throat> they are. Not as often as the wild card will have you think, though. <laughs> so yeah, don't get too big too fast. You know, kind of kind of do baby steps. Keep them on on a space station, spaceport for a few a few sessions. Um, get them used to the world they're on, and then kind of get them involved with moving to another planet. But don't just give them the keys to the spaceship and say go wherever it is, or you go want. from the the spaceship to the planet that's supporting it. Yep, and yeah. back and forth. Well, when and you, yeah, a little deep spate nine inch. Yeah, because when you, you know, start so. expanding so fast, so quick, it becomes very intimidating, not just for the GM but for the players as well. Yeah. Because there's a lot out there that you know we can leave or not even see or get in trouble with very quickly. Yeah, a sandbox game in a sci-fi setting where there's space travel involved can can get out of hand really quick, <laughs> really really quick. Well, I mean, if travel does pop up, keep it quick. Yeah, you know, don't, don't don't devote an entire gaming session on getting in the shuttlecraft and getting to the planet and getting off. Right now, what about some some tips to make uh, gaming successful for everybody? Well, that's why we're here, right, Bill? Um, in theory, or so I was yeah. told. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that that I think is 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 great fun and and do you remember playing uh leopard women from Venus? Yes. Um the GM the GM had us all go around around the table and uh say which actor was portraying our character. So, uh my character was portrayed by Zach Galifianakis, which I thought was a perfect choice for <laughs> For my characters, so base your base your NPCs and even have your have your players uh, 
pick like real people, like actors. You know, yeah. who's who's playing this character in the movie? Um, it makes it it makes it a lot easier to bring it into a a more a more modern setting than a than a fantasy setting. Well, it's a little bit more relatable. Let them do the yeah. voice if they if there's a voice. Let them do the voice. You know, it makes it a little bit more relatable too. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, uh, easier to play. Abs- yeah, yeah. Uh, but especially if you're used to being that um, that kind of uh, fantasy kind of trope of a character, you know, uh, everybody knows Aragorn um, or any of the writers of Rohan. So a lot of times we'll base our, our stuff off of that or any number of uh, fantasy type of characters. Um, well, we, we, you remember how we mentioned the um, the ETA system in another episode? Yes. We were all based off of 70s and 80s action heroes, or a, actually a culmination of two or three. Uh, and that that became, again, you know, yeah, it can get a little campy, but sometimes these space operas, that's what your table needs. Yeah. Uh, and let them run with it. I mean, we had a blast. We're doing the voices and, and, and relating to parts of, in the movies and transferring it over to the game itself. So if, if, if that's what it takes, then let him go with it. I'm glad you brought up the Ite thing because I botched the name. It was the hybrid gaming uh, engine. Oh, okay. But Ite, Ite was the, I still don't understand how Ite, the philosophy behind Ite, but basically the Ite was the poker chip that you threw in there uh, to, <laughs> to kind of modify an action, but it's still a fantastic system. And find him on Facebook and, and and support him. I can't wait till he's done with his with his stuff. Um, description can be a little challenging too, in a sci-fi setting. You know, you got a lot of techno babble, a lot of a lot of machinery and computers and 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 moving parts. And you may not be that uh, that GM that knows a lot of sciency stuff and can just pull it out of the air. Why are you looking at me when you say that? Um, because you're one of those GMs that knows a lot of mechanical stuff and moving parts, and, and I am not. Let's see, not even just the mechanical parts. This is all the technical parts, you know, all the, the different computers, or yeah. arrays and satellites. Yeah, and that, and that could be hard. That could be hard for a GM. Um, if you don't, especially if your player knows it and you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least pulls it off where you think he knows it. Yeah. He has more convincing techno babble than you do. Yeah, and you, you run into problems like this with the hard sci-fi. Yes. Um your 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 Star Trek universe, your space opera uh, stuff. Um, so I I would suggest, and I've I've, I've done this before. Uh, print out pictures, ships. Oh yeah, you know land alien landscapes, uh, machinery, uh, gear and equipment, that sort of thing, and and let let the players look at that. Um, if you have a customizable GM screen. Slide that stuff on the player side of the GM screen so that they can see it. You know, they can see what oh, their spaceship is. Pictures worth is. a thousand words, and if you can yeah. see, even if you can say five hundred words, there's your ship. Yeah, there, and yeah, I, there, there's a space station. This is what it looks like. I've even been at your table before where you've done that with monsters, and mm-hmm. you know, this is what it looks like. Have oh, a yeah. look. Yeah, I'll just flip the laptop around, bring up a nice big color picture. That's what you're looking at, and it makes it a whole lot easier. It gives you a whole um, another problem perception of what you're looking at, what you're well, dealing that, with. Well, that way, with, like, we've mentioned this before, with descriptions a lot of times, if you're not particularly descriptive, a lot of people aren't going to be on the same page as you. They're not going to, they're going to say, all right, what what exactly are you 
looking at? What exactly am I looking at? And everyone's going to have a different mind's eye. So you just show a picture. Everyone's literally on the same page. Yeah. Because you're showing the picture. Yep. This is what you're fighting. And it's like, oh, and uh, do you, are all those tentacles really do have spikes on the end of it like it shows? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do. Okay. And, and then off you go and run. So, yeah, I've used that a lot, especially with monsters. But even castles, if you're in the fantasy world, space station and the science fiction, um, what type of gun is it? You, you can find all kinds of pictures of, you know, uh, concept artists that have come up with different, you know, for weapons and ships and, and stuff like that. And just like, okay, this is what you're looking at. Yeah, just look up Google sci-fi um, steampunk weapons or whatever, and you've got a whole uh, slew of them. Oh, yeah. So yeah. there's more than enough out there, resources out there. As they said, they said, print a picture. It, even it, if even if you well, a lot of times you can use this for your um, for your landscape as well for your in, internal me- mechanics of a ship or a room or a, a setting print it out throw it on the table yeah DeviantArt's a good resource for that very good resource yes. on DeviantArt it's a good resource for any sort of pictures of of, of anything really I mean you mm-hmm. name it you you can find it on DeviantArt and there there's a lot of talented artists there. Well, and you, do you have, um, who else was that? I just basically just put in any search engine. Yeah. Um, I use the, the, pre- the preface, uh, concept art because that you get a little bit, a lot more original stuff that way that's out there and not a little less mainstream. So especially when you're dealing with, uh, aliens or you want to deal with ships or something like that, a lot of that concept stuff is really, really nice because it's not something they've seen before. Usually it, unless they're delving through the same places you are. Uh, looking for stuff for their their character, but concept art is a really really good place to go. And with that, we're going to conclude this episode. And those are some of the tips for starting a sci-fi campaign. Live long and prosper. God damn! Made a force <laughs> be with you. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear particular topic you can reach us on facebook at the dungeon masters dojo or you can drop us an email at the dungeon masters dojo at gmail.com thank you and have a good day